Welcome to Spine and Body Podcast. This podcast's stated goals are to change how the world treats musculoskeletal pain, to create experts in the treatment of neck, back, and shoulder pain, and to advance the world's understanding of this pain, to inspire researchers, thinkers, and innovators, to empower patients and embolden caretakers. Follow us on this journey and let's learn and grow together. This podcast is brought to you by the Body Guitar Clinic because your body is a finely tuned instrument. Like all finely tuned instruments, it must be properly cared for in order to play the beautiful music it was intended to play. Care for your body and use it correctly and it will play music that is unique to you. Your life song. This is Sean Wheeler, MD, and let's get your body in tune. Okay, welcome to episode three of Spine and Body Podcast. This is uh, the first real episode with with, uh, me. The first one was an interview by Justin Rickliffs of uh, uh, Guild Content, who was gracious enough to allow us to use that interview And uh, we put that out as our first podcast. And then the second one was what we call a a whiteboard podcast. And the reason is because it was a it was a prepared, edited, written out 16 minute definition or or, um, um, lecture on uh, what is wrong with pain management and how we got to where we are. Pain management as a as a practice has issues and uh, what I wanted to do was try to define those issues. And today starts a series of podcasts where what we're doing is we're discussing how how we treat uh, people in pain. And, and then eventually we're going to start getting into some interviews. And there's some more that I want to talk about with uh, neck and shoulder and foot strength and things like that. But these next few episodes are really about back pain. It kind of sets the... Um, sets the bol- the goalposts as far as, as what I do uh, because what I think is that over time there's going to be some question of uh, me um, really kind of uh, pushing back on people and really trying to create um, an idea of, of what I think things should go. So with that, it allows us to uh, come back to these original podcasts and say, okay, well, well if that's what you... If that's what you're arguing about, what is it that you think? And then I can, and then I can build from there. And and for me, that's really important. Um, so realize this is going to be somewhat controversial. I'm not, um, I'm not, in the, I'm not interested in in walking the line anymore and telling you what everybody else does. I've done that. Um, I put out a book uh, five years ago, 2015, where I thought that it was going to change the way people treated back pain. Uh, and it didn't. And I and I um, tiptoed around people and I tried to make sure that I didn't offend anybody. And I'm done with that. I, I think that there needs to be fundamental changes in the way that we approach uh, people in pain. I think there needs to be fundamental changes in a lot of things uh, as far as corporatization of medicine. Uh, and, and I'm going to go through a couple of those today. But today is really kind of that uh, here's what we do um, type podcast. And if I can, if I can establish what we do and kind of this over overreaching, um, idea of how I approach people with, uh, with pain, uh, then I think that it's a good jumping off point. So, 
Uh, initially, what we're going to do is we'll talk a little bit about my clinic. So uh, the clinic name is uh, Body Guitar Clinic. And people say, you know, almost every single day, matter of fact, several times a day, people will call and they'll ask my um, front office staff, they'll say, they'll say, what the heck is body guitar? So I'm going to describe that. You know, this is the Spine and Body podcast, but it's produced by me and my clinic, which again is body guitar. So basically the reason why we have it as uh, listed as a body guitar uh, clinic is because we wanted a positive approach. We wanted to basically look at uh, the body and say that, look, this is a um, musical instrument. It's a wonderfully produced instrument. And uh, with it, we can make beautiful music with our lives, what we call our life song. But it's impossible to make that when we're out of tune. You've all, many of you have heard a, um, a concert or a performance going on, and there'll be one instrument out of tune, and it's all you can hear. Well, it's the same thing in our lives. There may be certain portions of our lives that are going wonderfully, but there's also certain portions of our lives or pain in our body or whatever it is. And that out-of-tune instrument or that out-of-tune part of our body is the only thing that's getting our attention. So when we first uh, started putting out, putting together the book, uh, Steve Cranford, who's a, a brilliant marketing and, and branding guy, uh, works for uh, Whisper Global Internet Incorporated. He uh, he came to me, you know, and, and him and I were talking about all these different things, and and he came forward with an idea. He knew I was a guitar player, and I'd been talking about these six places in the body that had to be stable, and and he came he came to me and he was like, you know, that's an awful lot like a guitar, and I loved it. I loved it, and he came up with a, a great logo, and um, we ran with it ever since. The book was. Uh, pretty dang successful. It, and when it first came out, it was Publisher Weekly's National Book of the Week. Uh, it was reviewed by uh, several people. Back of the cover book, uh, book cover things were, were done by very um, influential people. And um, the book did pretty well. Uh, and eventually, but what I thought I was going to do was change the world. So then eventually we said, okay, well, we're going to um, start a clinic. And with that, we're going to do motion evaluation, and that's going to cha that's going to change the world. Well, here we are. Uh, the next thing is is that I feel like getting this long form education as far as uh, how we feel like back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain should be treated. What but what does functional medicine have in that? Um, how do we how do we how do we create a path forward? that leads us in a different direction than the last 40 to 50 years has led us. And that's, and that's what this is about. So um, as we kind of go through this, realize that, um, that, that that's, that's, uh, that's what we're trying to accomplish. So let's start off by talking about the six different places in the body that have to be stable. So the first, and we're going to start from the bottom up, and I mentioned this in the very first podcast a little bit, and we're just going to go through it really quickly again so that you don't have to listen to that. But the first is the bottom of the feet, excuse me, the whole foot, right? So we're starting from the bottom of the whole foot. And what happens is as your foot hits the ground, you dissipate energy as the arch collapses, and then and then the arch will reapproximate and and you'll take off again, right? And it's small muscles in the foot that can do nothing but stabilize the foot. I mean, sure, you can use them to pick up a pencil or, um, you know, move rocks or whatever, but that's not really their purpose. The purpose of small muscles of the foot is to dissipate energy. Uh, 
The next is, is the, what's called a soleus in the, in the calf. And it's a small muscle that keeps the tibia, which is the larger bone in the lower leg below the knee, it keeps it from translating forward in the knee and it stabilizes it a little bit through the ankle. But it's a stabilizing muscle. The next are the muscles of the, of the buttocks, deep muscles called external rotators. And it's a group of muscles. And what they do is they rotate the, the knee outward. Well, if it's not working very well, what you'll notice is, is that you'll see people with weak external rotators and their knee will collapse in when they jump or land. And you've seen that before where somebody will land and the knee, ca- the knee will go in, sometimes violently, especially in the case of injury. Well, that's an external, that's a weakness of the external rotators. The next is a group of muscles, and it's an ever-expanding group of muscles, but it started off with just three muscles in the low back, multifidus, transverse abdominis, and then the, a group of muscles called the spinae erecta muscles. We're starting to expand that more and more, and, and over time we'll kind of go through that, but they stabilize the spine through motion. The next is there's a muscle at the base of the scapula, which is the shoulder blade, and the shoulder blade has to move when the arm, arm moves, and it keeps that shoulder blade stable. And then the last is the muscles in the front of the neck. The muscles in the back of the neck are powerful and um, can be you know, strengthened in many different ways. The muscles in the front of the neck kind of counterbalance that, and they're really important. And each of these six muscles are involved in stability. And the way we look at stability is a little bit different, perhaps, than the, the rest of the world looks at stability, because I've brought up stability with physical therapists and and personal trainers all the time, and they always go, oh, yeah, 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 st- stability. We work really hard on stability. And I say, you know, I don't, I don't know if you do. I don't know if you understand stability the same way that I understand stability. So when we put out the book initially, we, we talked about bracing muscles. And we said that these bracing muscles are different than anybody's ever described before. And I, I don't necessarily like the name bracing anymore. And the reason is because there's been this there's been this way of using the word bracing with, with back pain and with physical therapy where what people do is imagine you're going to pick up something heavy and you bear down and you got to hold your breath. They in refer to that as bracing. Well, if that's bracing, the bracing muscles that I'm talking about is different. So let's talk about it. So there's, there's two basic types of muscles, of movement muscles in your body. There are what we call white muscles. And white muscles, they appear white. If you were to cut in through your skin and find these white muscles, they would appear white. And and what happens is that as you break them down, they get bigger. They become storage units of energy that that you can then use in a ballistic or powerful fashion. They can uh, punch, pull, right, kick, um, push really hard, right? So, so imagine yourself weightlifting and you're using these muscles to move you. So these muscles, as you build, as you break them down, they get bigger and bigger, um, but they're not very good for endurance. So the second type is red muscles. And what red muscles do is they move you in a long, for longer periods of time, right? So endurance muscles, muscles that if you go running, they, um, they're red because of the blood, flo- the blood that flows through them. So as you go running, they, um, uh, they provide energy in a trickle fashion. 
so that it's constantly constantly getting a little bit. They don't have to be big because they don't have to provide it right now. But if you expect to run longer, it's kind of long distance running, then they need more blood flow. So over time, what will happen is, is that your body will build more and more blood flow that allows these muscles to work longer and longer. But they never get very big, right? So we've got these two basic types. One gets big, builds storage units of energy. You can use them, you can use them in, in a ballistic fashion and powerfully. And then the other one that gets redder, gets more blood flow and allows trickle a trickle of energy that allows these muscles to, to work um, over a period of time uh, with endurance. So you can choose which type of muscle you would want your uh, individual muscle to be. If you decide I'm going to be a power lifter and I'm going to weight lift all the time, you can make your leg muscles very uh, big and powerful. Or if you decide you're going to be a long distance runner, you can make them thin and endurance and you can kind of create that. And even some people will choose to be a little bit of both and they'll have somewhat powerful legs, but also have endurance. So uh, it's a it's something where you can take these muscles and, and you can convert them almost into anything you want as far as those two go. If you had, for example, you decided um, you were going to take a vacation, the powerlifter people, you'll, you know, you can go and see them on the beach. They, you know, they're sitting in the hammock drinking fruity drinks because they know that that slowly these muscles will break down. They might lose a little bit over a period of a week, um, but probably not a lot. And then they get back to working out and only take them six weeks to get strong again. But they didn't lose very much in a week. Right, they have to those those uh, storage units of energy would have to break down completely in a week, which isn't going to happen. But the long distance runners, you'll see them. They go on vacation, they go to the beach, and they will continue to go out for runs, mostly because they're crazy. Of course, so are the so are the weightlifters. I mean, they all want to go work out too. Um, you know, they get up in the morning and work out, but but they could take the week off. The long distance runners. If they take the week off, those blood vessels that they've developed over a period of years will collapse. And you can't just open them back up again. Blood vessels have to be remade. So it could take they could take a week off and have six months before they're back to where they were. So it's a it's an interesting, interesting dynamic as far as how those muscles respond and, and how they um, and how they're built back up uh, after uh, stopping for a while. Okay, so then there's very specific muscles that are only meant for stability, and they cannot be white muscles. If you think about the six muscles that I just discussed, there's no way you're going to work out your foot to the point where your foot has huge bulging muscles or, uh, or your uh, glute muscles. I mean, think about even the Incredible Hulk, even though it's a fictional character. He did not bust out of his, of his uh, uh, jorts that he always seemed to be wearing uh, when he became the Incredible Hulk. It's because, well, first of all, modesty. But second of all, because those muscles don't get huge. They, uh, they're red muscles and they, they um, stay about the same size. They just get more and more uh, endurance. They can get a little bit of, of strength, but, but a lot of endurance. Same thing. Same thing with the uh, front of the neck, right? If those muscles got big, um, it would cut off your airway. You couldn't breathe. So, so what the heck? These are endurance muscles and have to be endurance muscles no matter what you do because they're, they're meant to stabilize us all day. The second important point about them is, is that let's say, for example, you're using a regular white or red muscle and you get fatigued. You're doing a bench press and the muscles start to fatigue. You, you, 
stop doing the bench press. If you're running and your leg starts to get fatigued, you you pull over and, and rest or get a water break or something. But the muscles that stabilize you, that's not what happens. We have to be stable. So our body seamlessly has to find other ways to stabilize itself. Nobody's running and then says, oh, you know, I think I just switched over and started compensating with my hamstrings, right? Hamstring muscles are one of the muscles that will tighten trying to keep your, your back a little more stable. Or, wow, look, my feet just turned out, right? It's seamless. You don't even know it's happening. But you don't, you definitely don't say, my feet just fatigued and I can tell. And therefore, I'm twisting out when I walk or I'm turning my foot out or... um you know, I mean, any of the other things that happens, my hamstrings are tighter or my, look, my shoulders just came forward. My head went forward. You could notice it in the mirror. And if you were attuned to looking for it, you could find it. But for the most part, we seamlessly compensate into other muscles or into other, other compensations when these muscles get tired. The next thing is, is that as you try to strengthen them, you'll seamlessly going in, go into using other muscles when you try to strengthen them. So oftentimes what will happen is, is that a person will get an injury, and with that injury, they will start to lose strength with these bracing muscles. And then they'll start to compensate, and then unless they're taught, they will forever compensate. They'll forever continue to use these muscles. And, and forever compensate or continue to stop using these muscles and continue to use more and more compensation muscles. They'll, they'll, they'll sp find all kinds of ways to make up for the fact that these muscles are weak and therefore never get those muscles strong, which is, which is an interesting uh, perspective as far as that goes. I, um, I would like to talk a little bit about how it works in the spine. So think about it this way. So let's say, for example, you sit up straight. And you say, I'm not moving my shoulders. I'm not going to move my pelvis at all. I'm just going to move my low back, which is interesting because I had a patient who was a, a belly dancer and I asked her, I said, I want you to do exactly this. Don't move your shoulders at all. Don't move your pelvis at all. Just move your low back. And she couldn't do it. And this is somebody who, as we say, belly dances. So if she couldn't do it, I guarantee you, first of all, I couldn't do it. I can't do it. But I doubt that any of you can do it. And it's because... The muscles in your back don't move you, they stabilize you, right? So the interesting thing is, is that when people hurt their back, they will talk about how something has changed, something is, something's different than it was. And you'll see people who start off with, with just a little back pain, and then over the years it becomes more and then more, and then they have more and more things done and even have surgery. And they'll say, way back when I first got that injury, something happened, something changed. So let's talk about that a little bit. So let's imagine that you're 10 and I, and I, uh, put a, I lay out an agility ladder and you run through it and you look as uncoordinated as every other 10-year-old. Between 10 and 20, you get more and more stable. The, the bracing muscles that we're talking about get stronger and stronger. And some of that's because you're uncoordinated and to get more coordinated, you need more stability. So as people trying to gain coordination, they work more and more on their stability. And it, it's the interesting thing is, is there was a um, movement specialist in the early 1900s named Nikolai Bernstein, and he actually worked with, with Russian um, workers and factories and stuff like that. And he would talk about, he had a Bernstein principles, and there's several, but the, but the one that's most known is the one that he talks about, freedom and, and frozen. And he would say there's certain places in your body that have to be frozen 
so that other places can can uh, develop freedom. And and what happens is is that as a kid starts getting more coordinated, really what they're getting is they're first getting more stability, which means they're getting more areas of frozen so that they can have more areas of freedom. So as they get more stability, they get more coordination. Then let's say you're 25 and you get a car accident or have a baby or something starts happening. We get more sedentary. And with that, we get less stable. Well, by then we've already developed patterns of motion that are of coordination. So as we start losing this stability, you would expect that we would start getting less coordinated. But we don't. We have we maintain our coordination even the fa- fa- uh, even in the face of this lack of stability. So what our body does is it says, okay, if we're going to have these areas that n- are now not frozen, we need to take away, we need to compensate with other areas of freezing to stabilize this. So what happens is we end up getting muscle tightness uh, to stabilize us. Um, if you can imagine, you know, we talk about the tone of certain muscles or the timber, the, t- the tonality of certain muscles where think about your foot, where your foot is, your foot has a certain arch to it. You don't think about that. It just occurs. That's its tonality or timber, right? A musical term, let's say. So this, this foot has a certain, uh, timber to it. And, um, our, Muscles that compensate for us have to develop a certain amount of tone to achieve that. So if your hamstring starts getting tight because your um, your back is not as stable as it should be, you, you could spend every day for weeks trying to stretch those hamstrings and you take one day off and it goes back to being just as tight as it ever was. Because we need that tone in that compensation muscle to make up for the tone that we have lost in our stability muscles or our bracing muscles. The next thing people will get is they will get fascia tightness. There are certain places in your body where you have thickened tissue, like your IT band for one, right? But there's several places where you have fascia, and these will get tight as they start trying to stabilize the body. They'll, they'll increase their timber. The next is the joints, the joints in your body. Think of the hip joint specifically. If you're not stable around the hip, and you'll you'll start finding that you can move your hip joint less and less. You know, people try to sit Indian style, and they say, "I can't sit that way." Well, some of it's because you're not stable around that joint. There's other there are muscles that have increased their tone, trying to make up for the fact that the muscles that are supposed to stabilize that joint aren't doing it. And then the last is is that our body will eventually start building bone around that joint. We'll develop arthritis. And the arthritis creates stability around the joint that the originally the, the bracing muscles were supposed to do. They were supposed to cause. That was, that was how it was supposed to be. The bracing muscles aren't doing it. We start doing these other things. They don't work that great. They work okay. It doesn't work great. And then eventually our body will build arthritis. So you want to keep yourself flexible and mobile and without arthritis, you have to keep these muscles, these uh, bracing muscles strong. But you can't even tell that they're that they're weak. Because we continue to have the same or just about the same coordination. So this is when we really get into our problems is we get people with back pain and they get weak uh, or, or any of the other pains and they get weak and then they get tight. And then because of these compensations, they actually compensate into a, a way of moving that that allows them to stay somewhat coordinated, but they're moving different because of the tightness, because of the arthritis, because of the joint capsule, because of the fascia. So, I mean, there's a, there's a change in posture. There's a change in the way we move 
that allows us to continue to have coordination. So then what, then what becomes difficult is, is that as we tried to treat people, basically what we say is we say, we're going to try to get you out of pain. And we get them out of pain and we say, get back to normal activities. Well, guess what? They still move the same way. They still move the same way as if they still had pain. There's some subtle differences. We'll talk about a subtle difference when we get to the uh, sacroiliac joint. But for the most part, the tightness that we still have doesn't automatically go away. The, the, the muscle tightness, fascia tightness, joint capsule tightness doesn't go away. Arthritis that we got doesn't go away. The new learned motion patterns remain, and so does all the tightness. So what happens is, is that we talk to people about the fact that when we treat them, back, neck, shoulder, or any of the others, we can't just say get back to normal activity. We have to do physical therapy. And physical therapy's job becomes basically fourfold. One is we have to get the stability back that we've lost. Two, we have to break down the new patterns of motion along with three, muscle tightness, joint capsule tightness, fascia tightness, right? We have to do those things. And then we have to build a pattern of motion, right? So we already talked about the pattern of motion, but we need a, we need a sequence of muscle firing that's correct. I need to fire this muscle before this one, before this one. I need to breathe better. I need, I need all these things as far as trying to improve motion back to where I was. One of the reasons why we started doing a video motion analysis is because this is so complicated. It's incredibly complicated. And, and one, of the, one of the stalwarts or, the, or the, um, the, the foundations that we have built a body guitar clinic on is this uh, motion, uh, motion evaluation, video motion analysis, analysis 3D video motion, motion analysis. And what we're trying to do is over time, we're hoping to show stability versus instability and altered patterns of motion. Now, the hard part about this is, is that lots of people uh, uh, compensate in many different ways. So trying to show this pattern of stability and then showing improvement, first of all, well, first of all, worsening over time, but then also improvement over time is, is very important if we're going to have a standard of care of, of, um, of improvement of physical therapy. Because people, a lot of people go to physical therapy and what they're told is to go to physical therapy beforehand, before anything's done, and see if physical therapy can get them better while they're hurting. Well, while you're hurting, you're, you're not going to get patterns of motion improved. One of the reasons why you have bad patterns of motion is because you're hurting and you have weakness because you're hurting. So we're sending people to therapy and we're saying, get stronger while you're hurting, uh, get improved patterns of motion while you're hurting, and, it's, and it fails. Well, what we do is we treat people's pain and then we say, okay, we got all these things we have to accomplish and we're going to follow you with 3D video motion. And we're going to try to um, make it very cheap as far as doing the video motion. And then also uh, have something that, that you can use as a landmark from where you started to where you ended. Because a lot of people will go into therapy and they'll say, I can't tell a difference. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm going through this physical therapy and they're goofy exercise, they're terrible exercises and, and they don't make any sense to me and I don't sweat and, I, and, and, and all this stuff. And we say, no, 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 these, these questions or these, uh, these improvements in motion, that is the cornerstone of everything we do. Why would I, why would I do all, all these injections and all these treatments and everything else but to create a period of time where you can go through physical therapy? 
which is opposite of what you'll hear from a lot of people. So what we talk about is um, when people come to my clinic, what we talk about is diagnosis, trying to make a correct diagnosis, trying to get them out of pain, and then le everything leads back to physical therapy, stability, and then these, these patterns of, of um, compensation that we then have to treat. So as we kind of go through this, um, next thing that we're going to talk about is probably facet pain. Matter of fact, it is facet pain. Sorry about the probably there. I know that our next episode is we're going to talk about facet pain. Uh, realize that as we talk about facet pain, we'll also talk about how people compensate. Uh, and then that that will lead into the one after that about, about SI pain. Uh, but in our um, walk through this, as we kind of walk our way through this, remember, this is how I feel about uh, muscle, muscles of stability, bracing muscles. And that, and this is how I feel about physical therapy is, is that physical therapy is essential. It is a cornerstone of what we do and everything we do leads to us trying to get a patient to physical therapy. So then of course we have incredibly high expectations for a physical therapist and uh, the physical therapists that are listening to this, I hope you'll, you'll start to see that over the next uh, several episodes. Uh, very quickly, I want to mention the the, uh, the three goals really of of this podcast. Uh, the first is to explain what we do and uh, change how the world treats back, neck, and shoulder pain. Um, number two is change how insurance companies pay for back, neck, and shoulder pain, and researchers research it. Um, that that that's how we change the world. I can get all kinds of people to be uh, body guitar practitioners and body tuners and, and people who are tuning themselves. But until I can get researchers and insurance companies to pay, insurance companies to pay for it and researchers to research it, we're kind of stuck. A side goal of that is, and I mentioned this earlier, I, I, am, I am frustrated by the corporatization of medicine. I'm frustrated that there are companies out there that uh, their whole goal is to keep patients in inside the corporation, and it doesn't. The goal is not to get people better, the goal and to advance healthcare. the The goal is to see how much we can make out of each person, and I and I will address that. And I don't care who I piss off. Excuse my language. Um, I don't care because somebody's got to say it. And then the third goal, really, of this is uh, functional medicine. Functional medicine is. We used to talk about people with Lyme's disease and um, vitamin deficiencies and all these other unusual uh, problems. And we used to kind of scoff and roll our eyes and say those people are crazy and the doctors who treat them are crazy. And what we found since is that they're not crazy at all. And it's become mainstream. And this idea that 10% uh, of the people are helped by this you know, small nuance, well, great. That's 10% of people. We're or or two percent of people, or whatever it is, we're getting more and more into these niche areas that help some people: uh, diets, um, vitamins, bi gut biomes, sleep, uh, all these different things that we can look at and we can say, okay, this will help this person or or help that person. And I'm very very interested in those things. And a lot of that's because I had all these patients with with pain that I thought I was getting better. And with physical therapy, I thought they'd get better and they'd still would struggle. And then we started trying to find these little niche things that would get them better. And in some people it worked and some people, oh, other things worked. And, and I do think that each of us has our own uh, DNA of, 
of improvement that that we need to really get a lot of things better. So I'm I'm now interested in those things. I'm interested in, in how we get people there. So that's that's what this podcast is about. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future co- uh, podcasts, please connect with me on on uh, on Twitter at at Dr. Sean Wheeler. That's S E A N S E A N at Dr. Sean Wheeler. And uh, so tune in to our next episode uh, on facet joint pain. And uh, I I just want to thank you all uh, for coming in and, and enjoying this uh, first episode. Thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate your download and taking the time to listen. Please go to whatever source you normally get your podcast from and subscribe. Also, visit bodyguitar.com for show notes and to learn about our clinic. Living longer is not near as important as living better. These episodes are meant to advance the goal of living better. One of the best and hardest ways to achieve this goal is to pray for your enemies and forgive those that hurt you. Life is about relationships. Build them. Until next time, body guitar practitioners, performers, and tuners, get your body in tune. This is Dr. Sean Wheeler on Spine and Body Podcast, and I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare studies, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their health providers for any such condition.